With Fidelity Wealth Management, a dedicated advisor can work with you on a comprehensive plan to help you reach your wealth's full potential. Plus, you'll have access to specialists in estate planning strategies. So you're not just growing and protecting your wealth, you're sharing it. More at fidelity.com slash wealth. Investment minimums apply. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. If you're listening to my show, you're looking for tips on how to work smarter, not harder. And let's be real. You're already working hard to earn your money. But how do you make sure that your money is working hard for you? Here's how. With a Betterment Automated Investment and Savings app, your money will go to work. They've got technology that will provide you with advanced tools, and they're built to help maximize your returns, not to mention your time. They have expert-built portfolios of low-cost exchange-traded funds. You know I love those exchange-traded funds. There's automated investing technology, and as part of that, automated rebalancing. Many of you have been asking about rebalancing, and it sort of feels like a hard thing to do on your own. With Betterment, easy peasy. They do it for you. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Learn more about high-yield cash accounts at Betterment.com. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Cash reserve offered through Betterment LLC and Betterment Securities. Betterment is not a bank. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It is Wednesday, June 7th, and we are here answering financial questions from you, our wonderful audience. And uh, because I haven't spoken to Mark in a few days, just for the record, this is going to be some spoiler alert. I ended three different series. I had three series finales since we've last spoken, Mark. Succession, Ted Lasso, and Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which I loved. We just started that. I can't believe you're you're late at the the actual beautiful sets. It's very old New York. You're going to love that part of it. I I mean, it is like really peak TV. Now I don't know what to watch. Sex in the City. What's it called? What's the reboot called? Just like that. That's coming back. Okay, that's your fave. I know you like that's your indulgence. And by the way, Kim Cattrall is making an appearance this season. What? I just got shivers. She's in one scene and it was filmed completely separate from the rest of the stars. So she's not in the same room as the other stars. It's a telephone scene. She's on one end of the phone and and Carrie's on the other end of the line. And that's the scene. That's it. That's sort of interesting. I mean, I mean, look, I, I root for them. I want them to because I love those girls. But you never watch this one on HBO called Somebody Somewhere. Have you heard about that? No, not familiar. I watched this last year and then met the woman who is in it. Bridget Everett is her name. She is an Upper West Side woman who has done like great sort of comedy variety shows. She's done like 54 Below and she's got a great voice. But anyway, I don't know, like it kind of hit me because it's um, a woman moving home after her sister dies and about her parents and what's going on. So I know that the whole second season is available. I kind of dig those those programs that are sort of comedic, but also a little gut-wrenching. I think that's why you like Ted Lasso, Mark. I love Ted Lasso, as we were talking earlier. that's uh, I will truly miss that show. I, I, I'm sure there's one out there, but I can't think of a show that I've watched that just every, every week that I watch it, I, I just feel good <laughs> about things, about the state of the world. It's, a, it's really well done. 
Yeah, it is. And uh, so if you haven't watched it, watch it. Succession, you know, um, I just listened to a long interview with Jesse Armstrong. He was on Fresh Air with Terry Gross. I listened to that pod to kind of get his view on the world. He, you Listen, he is a dark dude. And uh, I loved the show more than you did. You were not as big a fan as I. No, I watched it because uh, Amanda was into it. She wanted to watch it. If not for that, I probably wouldn't have watched it at all. Yeah, I don't know. I thought it was really good. What else did I want to tell you? Oh, shout out to my friend Martine, who complained that I don't mention anyone except um, a mutual friend, Raul, on the show. Uh, shout out to my friend Martine, who is organizing a huge book event for me, and it's not a public event. So I adore her, and um, I owe her so much, and I love I love Martine. I love her husband, Eddie. So there, Martine, there's your special shout out. I didn't say that I love Raul. I love you. Jill on life, Raul, but I love Martine and Eddie and their girls and um, I adore them and I adore you. So this one's for you, Martine. So Mark, let's do some business. Oh, what's what's new and exciting and up on the website, Mark? What are you what are you going to tell everyone about? What's new and exciting up on the website? Well, our recent our recent uh, I shouldn't say our your recent video chat with Consumer Report automotive writer Mike Quincy is up on the website. It is, and it is behind the paywall. Sorry about that, gang. Um, if you would like to see that, it means that you have to actually subscribe to our new service, Jill on Money Live. That's where you have access to quarterly live webinars and tons of great special bonus content. And the content this time around, Mike Quincy he walks us through what we need to know about the EV market and about the car buying market and what's going on today. I love that. So the webinar series is uh, also cooking the end of this month. We've got um, a good friend of the show, Mr. Stahoviak. See, I like to say his last name. So instead of saying Dave, but he is a good friend of the show. He is a career coach, uh, but he's more than that. I mean, talk about, you know, career. It's really about life. It's about he finds you where you are, and I think he helps all of us feel better about how we um, are executing what we're doing at work, but also how we feel inside of ourselves. And that's why I love him, because he's kind of mushy like us, Mark. So that's good. I like a little mushiness every now and again. All right, let me do some emails, because this is uh, part of our program, and that is we answer your financial questions. So if you've got a question, go to jillonmoney.com, click the Contact Us button, and let us know if you would be willing to come on the air live. Otherwise, we like to do these episodes. We like to, especially in these summer months, plow through some of these episodes. Okay, this is from Shirley, who says she saw me on CBS Mornings. Shout out to CBS Mornings. Thank you. Um, and we were talking, I guess, about I-bonds. And she said, um, way back when, when I guess I was first talking about I-bonds, the interest rate has gone down substantially. And she says, now, would you still give a recommendation for grandkids? She has an eight-month-old granddaughter, another one on the way, and would like to do what my grandma did for me, gift her U.S. savings bonds that I cashed in for college. I'm hoping to hear from you. So surely, look, the components of an I-bond are a fixed rate, and then it tracks the rate of inflation. So you are correct. When we look at I bonds right now, I think when I when I think I first talked about them, Mark, they were at like seven percent. Is that right? They're not so sexy right now. 
They're not as sexy. So the composite rate is uh, 4.3%. That was for any I-bond that is issued from May of 2023 through October of this year. And so what happens is that, you know, as the uh, consumer price index goes up and down, so do the interest rates associated with I-bonds. Okay. So you know what? I would say this. They're not quite as good. If you're really focused on it, you want it to be a, um, a savings bond. Um, the question really is, do I get an double E bond or an I bond? I mean, if those are my choices, I'll go for the I bond. But have you thought about, Shirley, the idea of a Section 529 plan? A 529 plan will allow you to put money away for education. And it's actually even a better deal to use a 529 plan than to use an I-bond. Money can go in there. Anyone can put money in, whether it's the parents or you. You know, if the kid goes to college, it's great. But if your child does not go to college, as long as that account is open for 15 years, you can roll over $35,000 total into a Roth IRA later in life. So I much prefer the 529 plan. I really do. So hopefully, if you if you're focused on that, I would do a 529 plan instead. I'll, I'll say this right now. I have 10,000 in I-bonds. Amanda has 10,000 in I-bonds. I will say that there's zero chance I hold them for five years. Really? Yeah, it's almost not worth it right now. I can get as much or better in a, in a money market fund. Oh, yes. The short term versus the longer term. Mark, you're so, you're so smart. Okay, Greg says, I've got substantial investments in the Vanguard S&P 500 index through the exchange traded fund version with analysts now raising concerns that the S&P is overweighted and top-heavy with 25% of the S&P 500 in Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, NVIDIA, Alphabet, Google. Should I diversify from what I thought was a diversified fund to begin with? If so, what direction should I go in? Okay, so this is a good question, Greg. I think that what you're raising is an issue that is called leadership, that leadership in the index has narrowed. Now, we've gone through periods where everyone, every company is participating, but it does appear that these top tech companies this year are the ones leading the charge. One way to maybe diversify is to use a different maybe a couple of different indexes. So you might say, well, I've got the S&P 500 index. Maybe you should use a small cap index that will give you exposure to much different kinds of companies. Maybe you should have an international index. And maybe you should also have a bond index. We need to know more about you, of course. But I really feel strongly that for somebody who is worried about that particular issue, not that it's the most important thing, but it is worth at least considering how is the diversification looking with other asset classes? Less so in the within the index and you know, but what are the other assets that I'm I want to add to it and what will actually look a lot different than what I own? Now, Mark, do you care about that or not? No, not at all. I, we we do get these emails. I know the the 500 is very top heavy. Uh, it doesn't bother me. Most of our investments are in the 500, but I'm okay with that. You just let it roll because you think they'll be the leaders, I guess. That's the other thing. These are these are <laughs> huge, huge, well-established companies. I'm not worried. Okay. Karen writes, my husband and I are both self-employed. 
we each have Roth IRAs that we used to max out each year until a few years back when we made too much money. Good problem to have, you know. But the bigger issue is we never know for sure what our income will be until it is tax time. We have 12 months of emergency savings, a traditional IRA, which is her former 401k. Husband has a SEP IRA. He contributes to that sporadically. She maxes out a solo Roth 401k each year and they have a brokerage account. She says, I want to max out both Roth IRAs. I don't want to get in trouble if we happen to make too much money that year. This past year, I was able to max out my Roth at tax time. My husband didn't have the cash on hand to do the same. All of our accounts are held at Vanguard. Can we contribute to the Roth IRA throughout the year and then simply transfer the money into the brokerage account? Should our CPA report back that our income exceeds? Uh-uh. I wouldn't do that at all. I would just wait till the end of the year and, and do it then if that's the case. But here's the other issue that I'm looking at. So he's got a SEP IRA. Why doesn't he just put in a, a solo Roth 401k for himself? Wouldn't that be the solve the problem? The other thing is, she says they maxed out until a few years back when their income became too much. So is it still too much? And if so, how are they doing these? Are they are they doing backdoors? Because if she has an existing traditional IRA, he has a SEP, that's going to screw the whole thing up. Then no go, no go. I think I, so we need more information, but I think that the solve on this is get rid of the SEP IRA and her former 401k, which is a rollover. They can't do backdoor Roths and have him open up a solo Roth 401k. And now she doesn't have to work. They can put as much money as they can in there. And uh, and if they have extra, fine, but wait till the end of the year. This is from Cynthia. The subject is the other side, which I like. Dear Jill and Mark, I just listened to Afraid to Spend a Dime. My dearest friend recently died too soon from cancer. She was 59. I find myself on the other end of the spending saving spectrum than Afraid. My spending behavior has changed to WTF, smoke them if you got them, woo-hee, let's have fun, who knows how long we got, why plan to 99? I am mid-money reset planning a pause from my creative business as a working artist. I'm burned out from what was once my love. I don't know what's next. I feel certain with some time and space to reflect, whatever is next for me will reveal itself. I don't have a question. I just wanted to share something from the other side. And by the way, how would you like to try to pronounce what you just said at the end? That is uh, Native American, I believe Comanche, she said in her email. Yeah, she said it literally translates to go in a good way. But if you saw the letters that were put together, it's fascinating. Sakubulquimia, something like that. Anyway, this is an interesting question, though, Mark, because, you know, I don't love either extreme. You know, I, I don't think the, I mean, unless you've got tons and tons of money, I, you know, you guys listen to me. I feel very comfortable saying that you should spend and you should enjoy your life. And, and I think that is true, but I, I wouldn't go crazy either way. Like all the emotions around being afraid, but also being a spendthrift, it's just the flip side of the same coin, which is just got to get right with your money and not use it as this strange coping mechanism. That's kind of where I roll on that. But I mean, I love to hear life from the other side. This is from David about um, an appearance that I made on Monday, June 5th on NPR. Okay, here we go. Hi, Jill. Just on the highway from Ottawa to Toronto and heard you on NPR. I work for an arts organization in Ottawa, Canada. 
providing health, social supports, and affordable housing for aging arts workers, visual artists, actors, dancers, vocalists, who make very little in a lifetime, save nothing for their old age. Your emphasis on the need for financial literacy starting when you are young rings true. And for the constituency I just described is so applicable. As a child of Jewish immigrants from Russia, saving was drummed into my siblings and me as I was, as I believe is the case with other immigrants like Italians and Greeks. And now I am reaping the benefits as a 60 year old person. Thanks for making my trip educational. And by the way, you have a terrific voice. I love that New York accent. This is uh, from David. By the way, Mark, I have a New York accent. I seem to get more New Yorky when I'm on with NPR because they're very non-New Yorky. You know what I mean? Um, you know what? So the so just to be clear, what I was talking about was the virtue of a summer job and how I think working, basically just having a job, is the way that you build financial habits that last a lifetime. And so it's really important to me that as you guys hear these kinds of conversations that you know, this is not something that I think is like pie in the sky. It's like when your kid is interested in something, then that kid is going to actually be able to form a habit. And that is why I feel very comfortable saying to people like, okay, you know what? You really got to make this happen. Try to do that. So I feel very comfortable, very comfortable making that as a, you know, a, a real thing that people can start to do, which is talk to their kids about money, be clear, understand that like when you have that first pay stub, what it all means. And if you're having problems, hey, don't worry. You know, when you, when you need it, I'm there for you. What else you got? That's it. I think that's it for the whole program, Mark. It's a pretty good one, I would say, for a Wednesday. Happy hump day and all. If you've got a financial question, send us a note. You can do that by going to our website, jillonmoney.com, jillonmoney.com. Click the contact us button. We'll get your note. While you're there, sign up for the free weekly newsletter. Check out all the great content. Maybe it's uh, that summer job. Mark, what was your best, worst uh, summer job? Worst was the overnight shift at UPS. Best, I wouldn't call it the best, but it was better than UPS. I, I worked in a restaurant for many, many, many years. I think restaurant work is hard. I was just thinking uh, about how uh, it's going to, the pressure will be on when you and your family come visit me this summer and how I'm like, oh, maybe I'll maybe we'll go to a restaurant. No, 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 no. No restaurant. Pressure will be on. The pressure will be on. Anyway, check out the website, jillonmoney.com. Do subscribe to our new service. It's called Jill on Money Live. You're going to have access to quarterly live webinars and lots of cool special bonus content like my interview with Mike Quincy of Consumer Reports, the automotive guy. It's all about cars. Lift someone up, change your work, change your wealth, change your life. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.